This is our pre-show. Uh, what's been going on this last week with Peter's dogs and stuff? Lost my dogs, basically, <laughs> and it's my fault. So uh, my, my wife's upset. My family's upset. You know. So you lost the dogs. So you let you let the dog out, and uh, it's gone. Just, oh no! Just gone. Gone. Oh, no. Yeah. And my we and, oh. you know my mother-in-law died four years ago, and my wife has taken brilliant care of it, and and uh, you know I I left it out for just a little bit, and it. Just disappeared. Just gone, gone, gone. So, <laughs> oh, no. I'll tell you what I did learn. The dog was chipped. Right? Okay. And I went online to, 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 to you know, where you report the dog lost through various sources, the Humane Society, Paws, a few other places, and you give them the chip number. The problem is my mother-in-law never registered the chip. <laughs> so if your dog has been chipped, this is a Catholic radio station. <laughs> if this dog has been chipped, you have to register it. You got to register it. So there's the tip of well, the Well, you know, we, we were talking the other day about, like, actually, we're going to be talking about this in the talk on plagues. Like, one of the— Well, tell us who you are first. Oh, my goodness. Sean Miller. Sean Miller. Peter Karutz. You're on. Greetings. Um, so we're going to be talking about the seven deadly sins, and the one of them is, is uh, lust. And I was trying to think of movies that typified each of the seven deadly sins. Now, there's basically every movie out there that's in some realm of the filth land, you could see lust. But I was trying to think, what could we recommend that would be— uh, a, a show that people could that that would highlight that. Any, anyways, highlight what? Well, basically, each one of those. Yeah, each one. And oh. in, in, in particular, last I was thinking about the movie Taken, or there's a new one called this, The uh, Sound of Freedom, which basically talks about all the human sex trafficking that's going on. Jim Caviezel is playing a guy named Tim Ballard. Oh wow! And uh, it's supposed to be coming out. I don't know soon. But, like, Taken is with uh, Liam, Liam Neeson. Nielsen. You know, that'd be great to do either one. I mean, you have the. You have the uh, uh, <clears throat> vice, but that movie could be a great example of the corresponding virtue. Yeah, which I mean, granted, there's a lot of gratuitous violence in there, so you you uh, don't ever know what to recommend. Yeah, I know. But, you know what I'm saying on, on yeah. that stuff because, but uh, a, a, anyways, thinking about it, like I was talking to the priest and we were talking about, you know, I I don't like this any idea about uh, chipping. Uh, humans like you know in terms of like saying i you know i, I want to insert this location gps location device in my child i, I don't like oh, it oh i get it i get it but but in my terms wife of did it to me so <laughs> did you really yeah what i got the, it right here man what, what is what is your phone you're talking about or you got a chip in life 360 so we're we're chipped so you, you got something inside so, you no, no, but the, it's the phone, man. It might as well be. Everybody. Well, okay, no, yeah, phone, I'm, but we all know where we're at. Right, but, but I'm talking about putting a chip inside somebody. Right, like I thought, is there something you could wear? Because I don't like any kind of interior deal, especially with frequencies. You don't know how it's going to affect the human body. I got it. You know, but but then again, that's like with phones too. But I thought, is there like a, the priest? He said, is there like a GPS earring? <laughs> There's a GPS tag that you can get. That you can buy them by the by the three pack and. They're used for simple things like dogs, <laughs> like I should have done. Right. Car keys. Uh, you could stick it on the back of your phone. So it's a sticker that shoots out a frequency. Mm -hmm. It's a little little itty bitty. Yeah. See, you know, I, I'm just wondering about that for for kids. 
Because, I mean, it's sad that it's this is a real reality right now. I mean, more so than what I ever even thought. They said St. Louis is a hub for this garbage. Well, and it, it, it's rampant. You know, I, I uh, get I used to teach confirmation and I, my traveling just got so much. So now I, I do a guest appearance once or twice a semester, usually once. And I was there just recently and I had I was following the safe touch talk. Right. And it was given by our DRE, and she's a little itty-bitty thing. She's talking to eighth graders. She's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not so uncomfortable. Man, I rocked with it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And I, I looked up the statistic, because I used to teach confirmation, right? Mm-hmm. Because when I taught confirmation, it was one in five boys and one in four girls are abused in some fashion sexually before they're 18. The numbers have come down one for each. It's one in three girls and one in four boys. Mm-hmm. And so it's real and it's out yeah. there. And the trafficking, yeah. you know, the, 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 you were talking <clears throat> about coming through St. Louis, the illegal aliens that come, the probability of the girls being literally raped on the way up is huge. I, th- I think the last number I heard was 70 or 80%. Yeah, it's I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's hard to even fathom. So how do how do we get into that subject? So seven deadly sins, lost yes. chipping from dog, chipping from. Got chip, <laughs> gotta put a chip in. So a chip for the kids just to keep them safe. Yeah, we got two minutes. <clears throat> so briefly, uh, just to give you the format of the, of, of the day, what I was intending on doing. Yeah. So I want to just give a general uh, intro, etc. Kind of feed off what we talked about last time, which was in sacraments, and then uh, talk about sin in general, and then get into the seven deadly sins using my memory aid and trying to get. For, for every sin, I'll give a brief definition, I'll give a scripture, and I'll give a possible movie recommendation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. So that's – and then we'll see how far that, that, that we get on that. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think that it's possible to get a, a, an exhaustive list of the sins anyway, but – Right. Uh, but we got a, we got a cat- bunch of categories anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the things I'm going to speak about. The catechism has these various lists of sins, but yeah. – Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program, broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. This is your host, Peter Karutz. Uh, We are live in studio with Sean Miller. He is the DRE over at Immaculate Heart Radio in New Melly. And we have a fun topic for you today. Uh, It's what seems to get a lot of attention, uh, whether it be in the media or in life. Uh, It is, or they are, the seven deadly sins. Yes. So we're talking about sin, and and we're not promoting it. (laughs) We're just going to be talking about it, uh, giving a little (laughs) bit of 
understanding <clears throat> about it, concepts. You know, I, I don't know if we'll cover all the seven deadly sins, maybe just the good ones, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll maybe do a part one, part two. We'll see how far we get. Well, yeah, we're going to be talking about the uh, the three letter word that's probably more taboo than most four letter words, S I N. And um, you know, it's a shame because you know you think about conversations; it's just uncomfortable for people. But to start off, I guess let's do the five letter word of Jesus and call on His name, shall we? There you go. I was going to ask about the praying thing, because we need to do that before we start. And if I forget, uh, we got to get another host. Let's so, shall we? Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, the wages of sin are death, but you came to give us life through your sacrifice. So we ask you to send your spirit on all those who hear these words, so that we can live in that life and that gift that you've given us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 So we're going to be talking specifically about the seven deadly sins. It's not necessarily a fun topic to speak about, but a topic that plenty are comfortable uh, swimming in, I guess you could say. I I, uh, did a lot of prep for this in terms of there's a lot of good good stuff everywhere on on the topic. But there's a book here called The Bad Catholic's Guide to the Seven Deadly Sins. And uh, he he, he states... Sounds like a how-to book. He says, I've wondered what ordinary... That is, fallen human life would be like in the absence of the seven deadly sins. He goes, cable TV would certainly suffer. He goes, as the great dramatists always knew, trouble uh, is interesting. So, um, you know, essentially we got very comfortable with just this life, almost to the point where someone who's trying to live a non-sinful life is considered odd. And and those who are kind of used to it are are considered, hey, this is normal life. I, I heard someone once make a parody on the song uh, Amazing Grace, and it says, I once was lost, speaking of sin, but now I know my way around. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, so really, you know, it's the, the Christian seeks not to be blind, but to see. And we got to have a really a grace to see what sin is and how to get around it out of it, basically, you know, to truly live this life. Because... You know, there's a great many kinds of sins, and of course, we all should get a sense of sins from the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, that was part of natural life. Like, what does it mean to live a good life? You know, you avoid the commandments, you you try and live the life of virtue. So the Catechism speaks about, like, St. Paul's list in the letter to the Galatians, where he talks about works of the flesh versus the uh, fruits of the Spirit. He lists, I think, about 15 things there. But really, the Lord in, in uh, Mark's Gospel, he speaks about the things that defile the heart. And he lists uh, 13 things there. So, like, some of those have kind of made it to the official list. It really began back in the year, like, 300s, a guy named Evagoras of Pontus, mm. who uh, was a monk, and he began to list what was called the Eight Evil Thoughts. And, and then those kind of over time, St. John Cassian, St. Gregory the Great, it kind of has this list called the um, Seven Deadly Sins. So... It's interesting to ponder, you know, when we think about sin, all of us are a little bit nervous t- talking about it, but really at the end of the day, when it comes to morals, we, we all have this line in the sand. We just really haven't really thought about it much or clarified it much. Like, you know, why do I think certain things are wrong? And then what's my objective standard? You know, is it warm fuzzy? Is it feelings? Is it things that make me upset? You know, where's 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 my own standard? So, so I kind of want to speak about these um, seven deadly sins. You know, last time we spoke about the uh, seven sacraments. So mm-hmm. I would say I call those the magnificent seven. Yeah. And these might be called the maleficent. Ah, I like it. <laughs> seven. They're 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 also called um, capital sins, um, which is that's the we get the term capital from the Latin word for head because they engender other sins. So it's like that's. That's the start of it, right? These are sins 
to which man's fallen nature is mainly inclined, and that are as a result the source of all the other human failings. They are leading tendencies, dispositions towards sin, that which holds us back from becoming fully alive. So like, the, here's the big deal. The, the main point today, the reason why we got to be so focused on understanding sin is because God wants us to be fully alive in him, through him, with him, in time and in eternity. Sin causes shipwreck. It is dysfunction, disorder, disgrace, disease. It breaks relationships. It breaks relationship with him and, and, and with other people. So if you think about all the disorders and, and whatever's going on in society, at the end of the day, its origin comes back to some type of sin. Envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, pride. So I'll, I'll speak about those uh, in a second. But I want to say these are, these are deadly. These are things that causes destruction and death. And um, so I want to kind of take it back to the origin, right, and uh, why we have this fallen nature, these tendencies. Of course, as believers, it all starts with original sin. So I like to speak about, you know, you, you might have heard of a guy named Warren Carroll. He's a historian. He wrote this huge series on a history, a history of Christendom. And in his opening book, The Founding, he gives this great line as a historian, which I think is, is great to set the stage here. So he goes, there's just one adequate explanation in all the history of human thought for the terrifying and unnatural presence of inevitable death and bodily dissolution in human life. Only one real answer has ever been given in only one place. In the third chapter of the book of Genesis, which tells us that the first man and the first woman wished to sample the knowledge of evil, believing this would make them like God, and that they did sample it in violation of God's express commandment and in disregard of his explicit warning that death would result from its violation. And so from that terrible act at the beginning of history came this sentence of justice, which is what we repeat to this day, every Lent when we get ashes on our forehead, remember, man, you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So from that day, man was in exile, but later on in Christ, he became a pilgrim. And so Christ comes to restore that which was lost as the new Adam and to give us life and hope that, you know, we're not just stuck back in the day. But, you know, if you think about what sin has done from that day on, it's, and again, <laughs> we can spend a lot of time on this, but to summarize, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. We're broken eggs. And so now we're inclined to kind of ooze out garbage and filth, and we're actually inclined towards um, evil rather than good. So like in the Catechism 1707, it says, man enticed by the evil one abused his freedom. He succumbed to temptation, did what was evil. He now still desires the good, but his nature bears the wound of original sin. So he's inclined to evil and subject to error. He is divided in himself. As a result, the whole life of men, both individual and social, shows itself to be a struggle and a dramatic one between good and evil and between light and darkness. A good definition, and the church has uh, reduced it to a word, concupiscence. Yeah, concupiscence. So this inclination, and you see this played out in all the great dramas, you know, in all the great, you know, Avengers, Spider-Man, Star Wars, right? Uh, this was an indecent proposal from the beginning to break your covenant for this forbidden fruit. You know, and like they say, forbidden fruits create many jams. And so, like, this has done some serious damage. I always think about this inclination towards sin. I mean, like, uh, 
So back in the day, The Incredible Hulk, I'm talking about going back, you know, and when its original series came out, you know, where it, it, they played this intro where it's Lou Ferrigno. Right, Lou Ferrigno and uh, Bill, Bill Bixby, right? Yeah. Where they said, don't make me angry. Right. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. And so you see this tension in, in, in him, his own person, about saying, am I going to stay on this uh, side of sobriety and civility, or am I going to turn into some kind of a green monster and let myself get out of control? So this inclination towards these two natures, like a Jekyll and a Hyde, like an Anakin and a Darth Vader, like you see that in, in, in all these various films. It, it goes back to what um, St. Paul said in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I do. So he goes on and he says, "What's I've got this civil war in my soul. And so that's something, you know, for the believer, we've got to say, yeah, guess what? You're in a fallen nature. Uh, you have to fight. It's a battle. Life is tough. Overcome it. But now you've got the grace to do it. So if you look at all what this battle is, you got to kind of know what we're up against. You know what I mean? We're in this day and age about, you know, worrying about viruses and diseases and whatnot. You know, that something that, that can hurt or injure, even kill in time. But it's like, don't you think it's wise to ponder those deadly things that can kill in eternity? So this, this list is called the seven deadly sins. And I've got this memory. And again, I always try you to... always have a good one. I, I, I try to do something. Now, years ago, I thought of this one. It was, it was egg slap. You know, envy, egg slap, egg slap, envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, pride. Okay, it flows off the tongue. Pretty simple. Envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, pride. In fact, I look. There's this game you can play called egg slap, where you got this egg underneath this glass, and then through a series of, you know, you're with somebody else, and you try to make the person slap and smash the egg, you know. And then, uh, anyways, you can look it up. Bottom line, though, speaking of egg, I thought it was good because. I've always seen uh, the fall of man kind of like the Humpty Dumpty story, right? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. So the whole of Old Testament was trying to put, you know, the whole of all of all of the priests, prophets, and kings couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, all the king's horses, all the king's men. But I've kind of used that as an analogy for the whole of the Old Testament. But really, at the end of the day, we're a broken egg until Christ restores us. We're kind of, you know, smashed. We all know what happens when you got a broken egg that's been sitting out for a while, right? It stinks a little bit. It stinks, right? And uh, I love the image about sin stinks. They, you know, the great uh, confessor Saint John Vianney. You know, they said he would hear confessions for up to 14 hours a day. And so, like, as they were waiting in line and he would come into the confessional, he would somehow periodically pull people up in front. He goes, you, in front, you, in front. He goes, I can smell you. Sin stinks. You know, so if you think about sin as stinking, and we all know this, like, um, I think of it, this is kind of gross, but it's like it's like a loaded diaper. You know, kids can be lovable external, but you know when they got a diaper, like, hey, where's mommy at? You know, you got to change this. So if you think about living in a life of sin, in, in terms of God's sense, we're kind of filled with a loaded diaper and that we, we're called to change, to get changed, to convert. But if you've lost your sense of sin, like losing your sense of smell, you don't even realize you stink. And that's the danger, if you think about it. And that's what we got to have what's called an examination of conscience to say, oh my, I smell and it's not pretty. And I wonder how I've been infecting everybody around me and spreading my own smell to them, <laughs> you know? So anyways, that's my kind of intro for the first one. But really, rather than egg slap, I thought one that was more kind of fitting. Okay. And it's 
It's the seven deadly plagues. So pride, lust, avarice, gluttony, unjust anger, envy, and sloth. And I, you know, like... What's the last two? Unjust anger? Envy and sloth. Okay. So P-L-A-G-U-E-S. Okay, now, that's a real word, yeah. Now, so I've, um, I've, over the years, they've used various terms for various, you know, mm-hmm. sins. You, instead of anger, they use wrath. Instead of avarice, they use greed, you know, et cetera. So I've tried to make this to where it, it makes sense and it also fits this memory because if you think about what a plague is, you know, you're like, okay, I can see these are like, these are destructive, disordered, death-dealing things. So... Um, I'll speak about it in a second, but just to kind of segue from what we did last time, you know, um, the seven deadly sins are kind of countered to the seven lively virtues, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll speak about those at a later time. But last time we spoke about these seven sacraments. And again, I said they're the magnificent seven as opposed to the maleficent seven. And I put them in the memory aid of, of chamber, confirmation, holy orders, anointing, marriage, baptism, Eucharist, reconciliation. So these are seven amazing gifts to fight the disease of sin. And I like the term chamber because it has to do with the heart. You know, that at the end of the day, the Lord wants to give us this pure heart. So he made this whole sacramental system as a counter to what happened in the beginning with original sin and with all the effects of personal sin down through the ages. You can't understand the sacraments and why Christ came unless you understand what he came for, which is to fight and conquer sin and death. He came because it was important, and we needed it, and he's the only one who could have made a difference. So he's that's, the, yeah. So that's what he did. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Krutz. We're here with Sean Miller. He is the DRE over at... Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah, in... New Melly. New Melly. It almost rhymes, almost. <laughs> and, and he obviously knows about sin. And he's going <laughs> to. Yeah, that is nice. <laughs> and he's going to. know tell, my way around. And he's going to tell us about it. He's got two acronyms and, and a motto, even the yeah. Maleficent I'm speaking, Seven. I'm looking at the man in the mirror here in this deal, you know. So uh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. This is what I was say. I don't want to know it too personally, but <laughs> welcome to the reality. Hey, what's, what, what did. Uh, can I try. Uh, it, um, Thomas Aquinas did it. And Someone else said, know thy enemy, right? <laughs> right. And Thomas Aquinas, when he wrote the uh, Summa, Summa, you know, he presented these various issues and arguments. And the first thing he did is he presented the other side better than his opponents did. He understood it. You know, yeah. know thy enemy. And very often, and I'm, I know you're going to get into it here in a second, but one of the great problems with sin is one of the great goals of Satan. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't think about it. Don't worry about that guy with the horns and the tail. Yeah. He's not here. It isn't sin. Yeah. What is right for you? I mean, it goes on yeah. and on. It almost sounds cliche, and frankly, it almost sounds desirable. I'm not going to judge. This is my truth. Your truth is your truth. Yeah. But that's not where we're called to be. And frankly, part of the human nature, we are called to truth, and when we get ourselves into the sin, we are not giving us freedom, but we're actually imprisoning ourselves. So the understanding of the deadly sins allows us to avoid the prison and give us greater sin. And I think, I give us greater freedom, but I think you said it, to really live life 
to its fullest. Life fully alive, yeah, because if sin destroys relationships, you think about how sin hinders us from becoming the best version of ourselves to truly become, you know, people of virtue, people of hope. I mean, we all would rather be around a person of virtue than a person of darkness. I mean, Absolutely. you know, every, every parent who raises kids would want a kid full of, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control, as opposed to envy, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, anger, pride are these things. So like... Um, so which acronym are we using? So I'm going to use plagues. Okay. I'm going to go down that line because that's that's just what I want to – that's kind of the theme here. But, um, you know, I thought about this Psalm 91 where it talks about – you know, this is a psalm, if you read it, it's it's the song to eagle's wings, right? You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide in the shadow, et cetera. So it says, he will rescue, rescue you from the fowler snare, from the destroying plague, from the pestilence that roams in darkness, from the plagues that ravage at noon. So these, like we mentioned, sacraments. Sacraments are these power gifts. This, these, the applications of Christ's love applied to our own heart to help us to become this person that God intended us to be as His children. So the Lord wants us to be pure of heart, right? Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. I mean, sin not only smells, but it blinds, right? So we don't see things rightly. And anybody who's had the experience of going to confession on a regular basis, you know that when you walk out of there, you can see a little bit clearly, you know, you've taken the mask off. And that's why, you know, like, again, we're in a mask era. We're in an era that cloaks hmm. ourselves from yeah. seeing us as we truly are, as well as like we perfume ourselves so that we don't really quote. It's almost like, you know, going back to sin. We're, we, we just kind of um, put ourselves in an in aroma that hides the true reality that we, we have within ourselves, you know, which we have to kind of get rid of. So like these, when, when the Lord speaks, this is a gift of, of the faith. Jesus said, you know, what comes out of the heart of man is what defiles a, a man. You know, just in the physical order, heart disease is the number one cause of death. That's why I said, you know, chamber of the heart. Mm-hmm. I, I try to apply that spiritually. But you think on the physical realm, heart disease. And then you think about the spiritual life. The Lord is concerned with this heart. So he goes, what comes out of the heart of man? He said, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. So when you think about who God is in himself, he's a communion of persons in a relationship of love. And that, you know, the opposite of that is this disorder we call sin, which basically thwarts and destroys relationships. So that we got to kind of get back to the root to say, I'm probably destroying various relational bonds through these things that are coming out of my own heart. So then who am I going to emulate? The Trinitarian God or these things that defile? So the list of sins that the Lord gave, uh, several of those have kind of made into this kind of official list of deadly sins. Again, there's a whole history to that. Um, There's a book here called The Seven Deadly Sins by Kevin Voss, and he kind of goes through some of the history, and he looks at it from what Thomas Aquinas says. He's a local guy. We've had him on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read part of that book. Yeah, so it's in Article 1866, and uh, their list, I've kind of, again, tried to put in my own memory aid, because pride, lust, avarice, gluttony, unjust anger, envy, and sloth. So the reason why I like those terms, because not only it's a great memory aid for plagues, but, you know, think about plagues. Uh, If I said plague, 
you might think about the bubonic plague. You might think about the great influenza plague. These killed millions of people. Probably if you're a believer when you hear the word plague, you think about the 10 plagues going back to Moses, right? Right. And, and, and so um, think about what those plagues were back and then. Why did God send these or allow these? You know, back then it was basically to, to execute judgments on the various gods that the Israelites were starting to follow with the Egyptians. The Israelites were starting to kind of, quote, walk like the Egyptians, as that one song Good is. Song. <laughs> they were addicted to the false gods. So each of those plagues were somehow a judgment on the various gods that they worshipped. Just for instance, they reverenced the Nile as a god. So the first judgment, boom, it turns to blood as if it's been slaughtered. Right, it's been struck. It turns to blood. It's been defeated. So God wants to now kind of destroy these plagues of sin in our lives because these have become kind of false gods of the day. These can not only enslave us in time, but and keep us, but it can keep us out of the promised land uh, in eternity. But you know, again, I gotta say, we're in the in a, in a day and age where uh, we're concerned more about super spreaders of viruses and and uh, and things. Or am I, you know, around somebody that's carrying some kind of, uh, you know, symptom of something rather than saying, wow, should I be, instead of being around the great unclean, what about the great unconfessed? I mean, are we concerned more about things in time eternity? Obviously, it's both. But it's like, ultimately, I got to focus on the things that can hinder my, you know, relationship with God in eternity. So when you trace it all back, there was a homily that John Paul II once gave. He was asked, like, you know, what the main problem in the world is. He goes, sin, three letters, right? You think back to what Pope Pius XII said back in the day, and, and uh, I hope everybody's heard this. He said, perhaps the greatest sin in the world today is that men have begun to, lo- to lose the sense of, of sin. So that's what I said. It's kind of like, um, you know, losing your sense of, of smell, Christopher West, who many have heard of, he's wrote a lot of books, especially on chastity, sexuality, and that's a topic that nobody wants to think about in terms of sin, because in a world that's lost a sense of sin, one sin remains. Thou shalt not make people feel guilty. Yeah, no kidding. Except, of course, about making people feel guilty. In other words, the only sin today is to call something a sin. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he, he wrote a great book called The Good News About Sex and Marriage. Yeah. And, you know, that's there is good news. There's good news there, yeah, but you first got to kind of face, like, what's the bad news? You don't really know the good unless you get to the bad. So there's, um, it's interesting, you know, if, if you say the word sin in conversation or even say the word Jesus, it's interesting, the dynamic there. But uh, there was a book years ago called Whatever Became of Sin. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because he tries to say, hey, you know, growing up, this was like the natural things. Things are right, things are wrong, things are sin, things are not. And he's like, you know, he just said, like, what happened to it? You know, you don't even hear the word much anymore. There's failings. There's, you know, uh, possible wrongdoings. But he's like, he's like said, since 1953, no president has mentioned sin as a national feeling. He talked about Abraham Lincoln. Was uh, he, he said, you know, he basically humbled the nation by saying, we have to humble ourselves and admit our sin and turn back to God. But nowadays, no, you're not going to see anybody beating their chest and saying, Lord, we have failed you as, as a country because of sin. We're just going to try and blame it on somebody or something. So it's interesting that we've kind of lost our sense of sin. So like, before I forget, I, I wanted to mention there's a lot of various examinations of consciences out, out there. There's, there's one here that's put out by Father Robert Altier, A-L-T-I-E-R. It's from Leaflet Missile. It's pretty thorough. 
And it talks about, you know, uh, grave sin, venial sin, mortal sin, imperfection. Because I think we're going to kind of have to say, you know, um, have I ever really examined myself to say, you know, am I as good a person as what I thought I am? We just had a men's group meeting the other night, and uh, there was a story where the guy shared about this guy thought he was, you know, good guy, right? You know, they were at the bar having a few beers. He goes, I'm a pretty good guy. And this atheist friend of his said, you know, okay, let's. what's your standard of goodness? So they asked the Catholic guy, well, what's the standard? Hey, uh, Steve, you know the Ten Commandments. Let's lay them out there. Let's do a little test. Well, the guy basically only had kept two of them. He's honored his parents, and he didn't kill anybody. You know, he's like, that he well. Know, that he knows of. <laughs> right. I mean, definition of killing, not of, like, you know, destroying character, but, like, you know, physically right. killing. And uh, anyways, his view of um, goodness was altered a little bit. So, you know, I, I think to kind of put people's hearts to not lose hope, because, you know, when you really examine your conscience and say, man, I am a wretch. But it's like, well, okay, that's a start. But when you think about sin, I mean, it literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. You know, so you think about somebody shooting a bow and arrow and missing the mark. Are they a bad, wicked person? You know, well, no, they've missed the mark. And then you got to keep practicing and trying. So that's, I don't know if that's a Greek or a Hebrew term, but that's, it's, a, it's an archery term that admits that uh, misses the mark. So yeah, kind of ponder I, I, that. I'm going to challenge you on that a little bit. You know, because I, I think when we talk about sin, maybe part of the fundamental understanding is what is sin. Yeah. And uh, and, and I sh- I'm sure you don't mean this, but there is no such thing as an accidental sin, but there is such thing as a casual indifference right. to sin. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when we sin, we're doing it uh, w- with knowledge, right? You, you can't have an accidental sin. So you... You don't accidentally miss the mark. You are... Maybe willfully missing the mark. Well, yeah, you may be willingly missing the mark. Yeah, we're going to come back in a minute or two. There's that music interrupting me so rudely. So this is your opportunity to call and talk to a friend and say, we got this great show coming on the program. I don't hear about sin. About sin. And we're going to continue talking about it in a little bit. The seven deadly sins, the capital sins... A couple of the Maleficent, the seven Maleficent, the Magnificent, the Maleficent Seven. Anyway, call a friend, tell them to join in. It's a lot of fun. Tell them sin is fun, and we're about to tell you why it is or isn't. So we'll see you in just a few minutes. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. 
St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri, including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. We are back with St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're here with Sean Miller. He's the DRE over at Immaculate Heart in New Melly. And we're talking about sin. The big ones, the bad ones. Sin. The capital, uh, I think you call them the capital sins. Capital the... sins, yeah. Same kind of term, different different meaning to some degree. They're the, the capital from which all their sins kind of flow. These yeah. Are the, these are kind of the biggies. Yeah. You're going to give us the worst one, too, at some point in time? Well, the worst one we're going to talk about first, but uh, just to kind of segue from our last talk. So we, we said sin literally means to miss the mark, and you had said, too, yeah, if someone is, uh, you know, every sin is a kind of a willful thing, so people can willfully miss the mark. Are there, there Maybe their their eyes are off uh, target with what is supposed to be the center there, you know, but if you look at a definition... It says, sin is an offense against God as well as a fault against reason, truth, and right conscience. Sin is a deliberate thought, word, deed, or omission contrary to the eternal law of God. In judging the gravity of sin, it's customary to distinguish between mortal and venial sin. So there's a there's a whole great section in the catechism that, that really uh, speaks about sin. And and again, I, I pray people have courage to kind of just look at their lives and say, you know, just like if I had some kind of a disease that I wanted to fight, I got to say, what what are these things? How do I know what they are? And then how do I fight them? So articles 1849 to 1876 are kind of the Catholic uh, catechism's treatment on sin. But I, I think a quick summary, if you want to say, you've got these examination of consciences, you've got these words, you've got these thoughts. But if you want to say, what does sin look like? Basically, it is precisely when you look at the crucified Lord and the Passion. This is why God came to earth to take upon sin. It says he became sin for us. So we think about the torture and the death and the violence given to Christ on the cross and the whole way there. Um, that is really kind of a visual about what sin is. So like, you know, kind of as a prep teaser for our next time we gather about virtue, they say one of the great ways to fight the crowding out of sin in virtue is to meditate on the crucified Lord to realize that, oh my that's my sin, too, on that cross that caused the God of eternity to step into time to help clean me up, to give me a pure heart. Yeah. And, and keep this in mind. God is after you. You know, some one of the not-so-nice uh, titles you hear sometimes he's is that the, he's the, the hound right. of heaven. Right. He's after you. He is looking for you. He is waiting for you and seeking you out. So, <laughs> you know, with regard to something you said, examination of conscience, just do it. You know, if you just take the moment yeah. to examine your conscience, you are allowing your conscience to grow and yeah. inform you. The Kind of like we were saying before, the great evil we have in this world is to say, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
You know, as you said that, it made me think of a line about like, you know, sin causes us to hide. We, we know that, you know, in our own personal lives in some ways. Um, I used to work with youth stuff and youth ministry. And then when I wouldn't see kids for a few weeks, it was just always kind of the thing. They were kind of involved in stuff that they knew, whatever. And I kind of stood as a light to their conscience. And that's all of us to some degree. We don't want to look at ourselves. But uh, from the first sin, we know that, you know, our first parents hid, right, in the, in the garden. And that uh, Fulton Sheenan says, you know, we've been hiding from God our whole lives and claiming God is hard to find. Yeah, there you go. You know, he is the hound of heaven. He's, he's looking for us, but, you know, we're still kind of hiding from him. So Absolutely. So when you think about um, <clears throat> sin, I, I again, I'm trying to use visuals here. I uh, think about that line from Frank Sinatra, right? I faced it all, and I stood it tall, and I did it my way. Sin is really a revolt to say, um, this is my way. It's love of oneself, even to the contempt of, of God. It's that I will determine what's right and wrong. I am the master of my own ship here. I am the one who can say what's right and wrong, good and evil. So really, at the end of the day, that's what pride is. You know, the word sin and pride, they both got I in the center. You know, I'll do it my way, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. So let's let's get into that, too. And uh, so, again, pride, lust, avarice, gluttony, unjust anger, envy, and sloth. Um, when my wife and I went on our honeymoon, we went over to St. Anne de Beaupre Shrine in Quebec, Canada, and there were mosaics on the floor depicting each of the seven deadly sins. Mm. It's kind of cool. And I won't go through each of those, but um, so they, they would have like an animal depiction as well as some kind of... Um, you know, other thing could be a, a mirror or something or whatever to talk about pride or vanity and this and that. But they had uh, what what I interesting about it is that, you know, when when you think about it, we're rational, image of God, conscious, prayerful, thinking creatures. We're we're his children. And that every sin is almost like an offense against rationality. I refuse to think, to choose, to act in accord with the dignity of, of who I am. So I, I, I like the thought of these images being depicted like animals because it's kind of what sin does. It turns us kind of more animalistic. We're more creatures of instinctual appetite in a fallen world rather than rational ones that choose. So I always use this line, we're either in the kingdom of God or the planet of the apes. We're in the mm. either image of the king of kings or of King Kong. Are we acting more like a monk or a monkey? You know, like so, like that's really the kind of the choice there. So, so pride really starts it out because you'd say, "Hey, I will do it my way." Now, if anybody's heard of Dante and the Divine Comedy, very scary book. He talks about the fall from grace, you know, and that these seven uh, stages of of this mountaintop uh, experience of Mount Purgatory. And at the base of that, kind of this fall, if you're kind of, you're working your way up from, there's, there's hell, which, you know, you can never get out of. But if you're in, if you're in the purgatorial level, there's these stages. And he kind of looks at each of the rims as the seven deadly sins. And then from there, if you get to the top, you're in paradise. So at the base bottom level, the lowest level is, is pride. And it goes to envy and wrath and sloth and avarice, gluttony and lust. It's interesting that he looks at lust as the least of the seven deadly sins because it's the sin of the flesh. Oftentimes it's out of passion and just instinctual stuff. It's not as maliciously intended like pride is. So he says pride is at the base. Um, and, and again, this is something that we all got to ponder. So do I have this sense that I will determine right and wrong? That was kind of the fall of the angels. That was the fall of, of our first parents. I will determine what is good and what is evil. So like the whole story of the garden and the fruit, it was to show that there were limits to what man and angels can do. 
You know, there is an objective order. But to reach out and try and say, I will reach out for the knowledge of good and evil. I will make it up. There's there's some serious pride there. And I was listening to Bishop Barron had a talk on, on this, which is really good. Seven deadly sins, seven lively virtues. And um, he said that we kind of almost see this enshrined today in our culture. And he talked about that famous verse in the 1992 Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision. The decision was about abortion, but Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote the, uh, the decision, and he put this. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of the meaning of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. What utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. That's a, ma- that's a relativistic, luciferistic, uh, I am my own godistic verse. To think that, okay, I can determine my reality. Like right now I'm a 12-foot basketball player from China. You know, like yeah. as I can define. And you kind of see that played out. I don't believe in gravity. Okay. Yeah. Or I am now a man. I'm now a woman. I am now a teacher. I'm now a scientist. I'm black. I'm white. I identify as a scratch golfer, so, you know. <laughs> you know, but it's interesting because, like, talk about pride to say, yeah. I will determine reality, and you better not tell me otherwise, because yeah. I am my own God. I, I hate to be so self-contradictory, but that was the Supreme Court saying what they say really doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Interesting, isn't it? So here's a couple of scriptures that are really good to ponder this. Uh, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. It says, in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, 2, men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to see down the road that, you know, there's going to be kind of antidotes to each of these seven deadly sins in these virtues, and humility is going to, going to be the one for pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom, Proverbs 11.2. Now, I was thinking about movies to kind of recommend for this, and I thought about the movie Avengers, and there's a, a scene in it, you know, like Loki, if you've heard of him. So he was the guy who said that, like, he was a bad guy, right? And uh, in, in the movie, and then Hulk is coming after him, you know? And then he, he stands up and says, you know, he yells. He goes, all of you, you all, all of you are beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And then Hulk picks him up and just slams him back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. And he, then he says, puny god, you know, and walks away. <laughs> you know, but this sense of like, I am god, you all are beneath me, you know. And that you got to have a Hulk just to kind of have a do a little Hulk smash. I mean, it's it's the one really funny scene in the movie. I thought about the movie Beauty and the Beast with Gaston. He was the guy who thought that, you know, he's God's gift to everything and everyone. You know, um, there's speaking of Maleficent, there's she was the one that was the evil queen in Sleeping Beauty and uh, just her own mirror, mirror on the wall. Was was that Sleeping Beauty? That was Sleeping Beauty. Or was that Snow White? No. Oh, yeah. Snow White. Right. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about her in a second. But, yeah. you know, just the sense that this, she was um, thwarted at some point and just began to have this evil disposition and, and, and whatnot. So, you can almost pick any movie but, or any reality. You know, what, what is the classic evil uh, villain? The one who wants to take over the world, right? Yeah, they right. are the one who is in charge. And that is the devil, too, isn't it? I mean, he's yeah. he's there. He wants to take over the world well there's uh in in the 
floor in the church at St. Anne de Beaupre, there is the symbol of pride was a peacock. You know, like, hey, look at me, you know, just puffing up the feathers and what whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's like I said before, this can be looked upon as the trinity of me, myself, and I. Uh, sin has I in the center, so, so does pride. You know, like one person said, I may not be much, but I'm all I talk about. <laughs> you know, and, and our, our family kind of jokes about this. It says, uh, this is called the tea party. I had a little tea party this afternoon at three. It was very small, three guests and all, just I, myself, and me. Myself ate all the sandwiches while I drank all the tea. It was also I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me. You know, it's kind of like a gluttony, but it's really just about you are totally in your own world. And I think that's what, that's what pride is. It's like, it's all about me. Yeah. Even in conversations, I've noticed over the years how many people really Ask you about you as you and are really concerned for the other. I mean, love is that which wills the good of the other. But pride is like, hey, if this conversation isn't about me, I'm tuning out. It's the eye club. It is. So I think about in relationships. I mean, this isn't some just necessarily a dark, dangerous, malicious, I'm going to take over the world because I think I'm God. It's like, hey, no, my world is me. I mean, we all know that from when it, when we wake up, when we come out of the womb, we're letting the world know it's all about us. We're screaming, we're crying, we're wanting attention, you know. But today, as we get older, you kind of see that, this pervasive sense of me, myself, and I, I am my own God, you will do my will, this relativistic, secularistic culture. But in terms of going back to the peacock, now this is something interesting for all of us. Like, if you want to know your own level of pride, you know, a real quick test, someone said, See how you react when someone criticizes you or when you don't get your own way. Are you immediately like, how dare you question me? Yeah, you are all beneath me. To, to eliminate pride is, is, creates discipline. My daughters grew up in classical ballet, which is a very odd subculture. It's, a, it's ex- extraordinarily physically demanding and, and creates a lot of self-discipline. And periodically, there would be a guest, uh, I'll call it instructor, or somebody comes in to do choreography. But let's just talk about the guest instructor or the regular <clears throat> instructor. So my girls would come home, and they'd talk about all the corrections they got in a positive fashion. Because in the ballet culture, if you don't get corrections, hmm. they don't care about you. You don't have enough... <clears throat> talent to be worthwhile. So there is a desire. A, it's a sense of accomplishment or hope, if you will. It's not even accomplishment yeah. to get corrections. And it is a mindset that you have to change. Yeah. Most people who are criticized, first thing they do is become defensive right? as opposed to humble. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the fallen nature to get defensive. But I, I like what St. Therese says. You know, if you think of yourself as a little child and you're small, if you fall, you don't have far to fall, so you're not as hurt. So if your ego is low to the floor, <laughs> you know, rather than puffed up. That's such a crash. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's it's amazing to me because, like, you know, we got to say, like, you know, uh, well, who was it? G.K. Cheston said, you know, we're all on the same boat together and we're all seasick. I mean, we're all uh, broken. You know, we, we, we all are trying to, you know, do the right thing and whatever. So it's like... If we get criticism, hopefully it's done out of love right. from somebody, right. you know. But even if it's not, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I got something to learn from that. If it's false, well, let the chips fall where they may. And it's a sense of real strength when you take criticism in, in, a, 
uh, impute a positive intention, mm -hmm. yeah. right? It's it shows that you're strong enough to take it, right? Yeah, yeah. I can take a punch and I can I can uh, I can roll with it. I can deal with it, and I am not so haughty that I can't improve and I see my weaknesses. That's the worst kind of pride when you really are wrong. People tell you you're wrong and you say, no, I'm right. <laughs> but let me tell you what I am right about. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz. We're here with Sean Miller. He is the DRE over at Immaculate Heart in New Melly. Boy, are you smart. Tell me more about that <laughs> yeah, sin right. stuff. Yeah. Um, what is it? I'm... Um, I'm educated enough to be smart and smart enough not to be too educated. There you go. I know. So anyways, we're probably only get through here, but it's yeah. um, this will be a part two. But this is the biggie that a lot of people, it's it really destroys so much relationship. That's lust. So pride and then lust. And they are linked, right? Um, but lust, basically, it's, uh, like I said before, it is a sin of the flesh, and it's for Dante's least, but for us, we kind of have it the other way around, because we see its immediate effects. I mean, like pornography and all that stuff, it just it just destroys life. But bottom line, lust is treating another human being as a means, not an end, to the satisfaction of one's sexual desire. The opposite of love is not hatred, but use. So it's an objectification of another human being. And you see this in this multi-billion dollar pornographic industry. You see this with all this, the filth and dangers of sex trafficking and whatnot. You know, we're supposed to love people and use things, and uh, but not use people and, and love things. So this is where I'd recommend, we talked about Christopher West's book on the good news about sex and marriage. He wrote a lot of books about the theology of, of the body to understand the gift and the meaning and the dignity of the human body, the human person, uh, because it's it's so important. You know, the Lord made it clear in Matthew 5, he said, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Romans one twenty four, speaking about homosexuality, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Paul says, put off your old nature, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lust. So this the sense of objectification of others, using others, saying, I am my own God, I can determine what's right and wrong, and now I can use anyone towards my my plans. You know, we got to know how to control ourselves in this gift because we are in a broken world. Now, I was thinking about, you know, how do you recommend a movie about this? Well, it's like probably every movie that's got any trace of any sexuality or sensuality has got lost in it. I thought about the movie Taken. You know, I'm not saying I'm necessarily recommending that, but it's the movie is about... Basically, a daughter who gets stolen for a sex trafficking trade, and the father is going out to rescue her. Now, you think about this. What would you do to protect your daughter from the lust of another? Anything. And, and you yourself, when you're lusting, you're looking at someone else's daughter. So I think we got to, you know, years ago, we were at a, a, a thing, and I was talking to some friends, and, you know, we are at this uh, wedding, and here comes this. Well, you know, girl, our our age, by in her twenties, she's very beautiful, and this guy was like, you know, drooling, whatever. And he's like, "How do you stop that? You know, how do you how do you stop yourself from looking at that?" I was like, "Well, imagine that was your sister. Imagine that was someone's daughter. I mean, you got to have safeguards in, in place. Little things you go back to to say, am I objectifying this person? Because it's going to be all, all you know all the time. We're going to be bombarded constantly, but." You know, whether it's pornography for men or these soft porn novels for women, it can be in your imagination or directly in your face. But we got to say, you know, what are we doing? Because, like, right now this movie is supposed to come out soon called The Sound of Freedom, where Jim Caviezel plays a guy named Tim Ballard who goes to rescue people from sex trafficking trade. 
And I think when you see the filth and what's involved in there and this total objectification, it's got to do something to the soul to say, I got to get out of this stuff. I mean, I, I, I got to do my best to put my heart and mind and eyes in check. Yeah. So a cringeworthy something I saw on TV and then something uplifting. Uh, the cringeworthy is there's this guy who is uh, on TV. I won't even mention the show, kind of well-known uh, uh, leerer, if you will. And he was on the beach and really enjoying his time over there. And, and he, he becomes focused uh, on this one girl who is walking away and just oogling her, and, and you can almost see it in his eyes. And that's just who he is, right? Mm -hmm. And she turns her head. It was his daughter. Oh, my. And he, it, it hit him all of a sudden. He thought, yeah. what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but in yeah. that movie yeah. Taken, yeah. think about what saved her, aside from her father. What saved her, uh, so uh, what is a spoiler alert here, what saved that girl who was kidnapped for sex trafficking is that she was a virgin. She was a virgin, so she wasn't abused quickly, and she was saved. You know, she, there was time. Mm -hmm. it, if you're a young person, think of your virginity, your virtue, as what will save you from the lust of other people. You are actually protecting yourself and preparing yourself for the greater good. The person who's going to be lusting after you will fall flat if, if you demand more. Yeah. Yeah. And like they said, Fulton Sheen said, every civilization uh, is based upon the level of its, of its women, which is interesting because you think about creation, God makes from the lesser to the greater, and the, and the culminating act was woman. So she's the, the more of the spiritual creature than man. And it's really, she's elevated man. Behind every great man is a greater woman. So you think about there's some beautiful safeguard as a woman as the gatekeepers to kind of elevate man by the way that they speak, the way they dress, the way they act. It's not to take anything off the men from doing the right thing either or as being leaders and heads, but it's like there's this beautiful thing about trying to say, I'm going to safeguard this dignity of who I am as God's ch child. I represent my family. I'm going to try and elevate and not make uh, make an occasion of, of lust. Well, and you know, let's <laughs> let's get real here. You know, you're a man, I'm a man. And how many times have we been in circumstances where people are oogling girls? Uh, you know, women. You know what? It's our obligation to do some fraternal correction. To be silent is to assent. Right. If the, the, there are five guys in the room, you probably have at least two or three who are saying, man, that's not the right thing to do. But when will you have one who says something? Yeah. If you have one that says something, you've empowered the other two and corrected them. That's right. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, in, in terms of scripture, you know, you got the story of David and Bathsheba. That's that's a really one to see the the heart of a man that can be corrupted. You got the story of these two elders with Susanna and trying to corrupt her. But um, you know, one 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 guy said he, he went to a priest. He goes, Father, I feel like of the seven deadly sins, you can call my sins lust, gluttony, and, and lust. He's fighting that all all the time. But a person's got to kind of ask themselves and say, you know, what am I willing to do to uproot this thing uh, in, in my life? Like um, we were talking about pornography, and there's the great text that Jesus gives about, you know, looking at a woman with lustful eyes, and he talks about your eyes and hands and sins. And there was a talk I listened to years ago about pornography and, and its twin addiction. And I won't get into what that twin addiction is, but hopefully if you can kind of uh, see through the lines, this is what things that kind of spurs on lust and it makes man fall 
you know, and it creates this um, sensual lifestyle that is just self isolating and demeaning. And so we got to say, we got to get to the heart of the matter and kind of root this out. And I'm sure I'm not going the the road you're talking about, but just for at the risk of being wrong. You know, when we talk about lust, I also really liken it to its cousin, gluttony, Mm -hmm. because they do, they are sort of cousins. Yeah, glust. And right. They are. I mean, I mean, it's one feeds on the other, but the solution is also similar to that. Yeah. Fasting. Fasting really can help you in both areas. Yeah. So that's going to be the virtue about fighting, you know, lust is to be chaste and to fighting gluttony. Is well, unless you're married, to... right? You don't have to be chaste if you're married. Oh, yeah, you do. This is the big thing. Like uh, even lusting in marriage, we forget about that whole thing. If you treat your spouse as an object... You know, you're kind of crossing the line. Now, that, that, that is, uh, I mean, I've heard Christopher West speak about this, and that accepts some people. But you're like, you, you got to think about this. Is your spouse merely solely some means to an end? So, um, do you hear that music again? Oh, uh, we haven't even started here. I know, Anyways. I know. All right, so forget about part two. It might be ah. this is one of how many we need to do to we'll get do part through. Two. All right, so we will do part two. So thanks all for joining in. You have your <laughs> job to do. Look, here's some takeaways. Plagues. Takeaways. Well, it's plagues, the capital sins, the mortal sins. The uh, But help people, right? Do some brotherly and fraternal co- correction. Avert your eyes, if you will. Watch the pride. As Father Augustine says in his book, Humility Rules, sometime, oh, just... Admit that it was you and when you didn't do anything wrong because you probably didn't cut cost the last time that you probably did something wrong. Come back and join us next time. Tell a friend. Can't wait to see you again. God bless you all. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.